Dear friends, today's gospel, it presents us with the all-important question. And you could even say this question is it's like the question of our lives. And that is, how can I be strong enough to enter through the narrow gate that leads to heaven? Right? Like, what does it take to get to heaven? Enter that narrow gate that Jesus talks about. Many years ago, this was even before I was a seminary, and I was invited to um, come give a retreat to uh, Catholic young adults in Hawaii. So I got to the airport here at JFK and got there early, but I made a big mistake. I wasn't paying attention when, when I checked in uh, and, and, the, and the ticket printed out, the boarding pass. I mistook the departure time, all right, the, the flight's departure time. I thought that was when boarding started, all right, boarding time from, and that's a, that's a big difference, right? So I'm like um, taking my time, stopping by one of the um, places to eat, drinking coffee, um, having breakfast, and I look at my clock, oh, it's, it's uh, time for boarding soon. Let me, let me get over to the gate. And I got there and it's completely empty. The only person there is the airline employee. So I was very confused. I said, hey, where is everyone? Isn't this the flight to Honolulu? And she said, yeah, I just closed the gate. Where, where were you? I was calling for you on the PA system. I called your name three times. So if, if you're ever at the airport and you, and you hear on the PA system, like so-and-so name, please, please come to the gate, your plane's about to depart, and you wonder, who are these people? <laughs> this is me. That was me. Anyway, I, I pleaded with her. I, I begged her, hey, can you uh, book me on another flight? And, and luckily, there was another one. I had a transfer. I, I ended up arriving uh, just an hour and a half behind schedule, and it ended up being one of the best best trips of my life. So not only did I go there for, for ministry, right, to, to serve, serve God, but then um, also took, also was able to go on a pilgrimage to, to Molokai. This is where St. Damien was, and he ministered to lepers, and then also a few days of um, vacation, rest and relaxation. It was, um, yeah, it's such a blessed time. So why, why do I share with you this story? It, it's because I didn't pay attention to the ticket. I didn't pay attention to the, the employee when they were calling my name. So on a most basic level, one has to be attentive to Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. You know, Christ is the way to heaven, and he teaches us how to get there. So as a follower, like one must be attentive to his calling and to his teachings. So we're trying to answer the question, like, how can I enter the narrow gate? How do I get to heaven? And it's important to note, this is from first letter of Timothy. God wills everyone to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. 
God wills, he, he desires everyone to be saved, everyone to enter into heaven. Right? It's not like, oh, just a few are going to be saved and the few are going to hell. No, he wants everyone to join him in the heavenly banquet. But of course, you know, he gave us the gift of free choice. Uh, he'll never force his love upon us. He'll never force us to choose him. Right? We have to make that choice. It's an active, intentional choice that we have to make. Well, and notice it also says, God wills everyone to be saved and, and come to the knowledge of the truth. If we're not attentive, we won't gain knowledge of the truth. Think about a student who, in a class, pays attention, is attentive to the teacher, as opposed to a student who's dozing off, you know, daydreaming, not being attentive. Right? The difference between these two students is night and day. The student, the disciple who is attentive, that's the one who learns. That's the one who gains knowledge. So, besides paying attention to Jesus, what else must we do to enter the narrow gate? Right? The narrow gate that leads to eternal life, to be happy with God, forever with Him, all His angels and saints. Oh, you know the expression, it's all about, it's all about who you know. And the same applies for us as well. It's about having a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus. To believe not only that he's the son of God, but also to follow his teachings and commands and to do good and avoid evil. Because notice how in the gospel, the parable, Jesus, uh, the master of the house, he doesn't let uh, the servants enter. He, he actually, he calls them evildoers, right? So yeah, we want to do good, avoid evil. You know, most people believe that in order to get to heaven, all you need to do is to just be a good person. I don't know, maybe uh, some of us believe that as well. But is that true? Is, is it enough to just be a good person and then we'll make it to heaven? Well, what does the Bible say? What does Jesus himself say about that? So I've gathered uh, four conditions, right, that Jesus states, that the Bible states from the Bible, all right? The first condition is baptism. A lot of these things you, you, you know, you know already, you've heard it before. Jesus says in John chapter 3, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. We know that, baptism, all important, the first sacrament. Second condition, faith in Jesus Christ. It's obvious, right? But this is what St. Paul says in his letter to the Romans. If you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The third condition is to do God's will. This is Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven to do the Father's will. 
And the fourth condition is from Jesus, his words, John chapter 6. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you will not have life within you. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. So this last condition, the Eucharist, it's one of what I want to focus, the remainder of the homily. So a few years ago, the Pew Research Center came out with a survey result. And they polled, they, they surveyed practicing Catholics, Catholics in the Pew. So, so people like you. And, this is, and the result was shocking. This is uh, what they believed about the Eucharist. Less than one-third of U.S. Catholics believe that the Eucharist is the body and blood of Christ. Less than one-third. So that means the majority, you know, they don't believe in what the Eucharist actually is. They believe, if, if I had a guess, it's just a nice symbol. The Eucharist is just a nice symbol. What do you think about that? I mean, it's, it's amazing, isn't it? This is the source and summit of our faith. And practicing Catholics, Catholics in the pews, um, have a, I don't know, just something like blocking them from, from the light going off, from just getting it, that the Eucharist is Christ's body and blood. I wish, you know, I wish there was something I could say or do that can convince, that could help, like, the majority of practicing Catholics and, and all Catholics to believe in the church's teaching about the Eucharist. I haven't quite figured it out yet, but if you, if you know the answer, if you know the solution, um, please feel free to share with me after Mass. So there's many ways, right? Many ways they could go about, you know, presenting and teaching on the Eucharist, believing in the Eucharist. I just want to go one specific, talk about one specific way. Maybe you haven't heard about this before, but it's the case for Eucharistic miracles. First of all, as Catholics, do we believe in miracles? Absolutely, absolutely. Like Jesus himself performed many miracles recorded in Scripture. We know of it in tradition too, in the history of the church, the saints, many miracles. But specifically Eucharistic miracles. Because like what, what, happens, what happens at Mass? Like we witness to a miracle. It's like ordinary bread and wine. It's transformed, right, through the power of God in the prayer of consecration. When the priest says, this is my body, this is my blood, what happens? What happens to bread and wine? The substance of it, what it actually is, becomes transformed into the Eucharist. But the accidents or the physical properties, it stays the same. So that's why when we receive Holy Communion, even though we, may, we believe that it's the body of Christ, it tastes and looks like just like a, a, a wafer, unleavened piece of bread. So, so that's what happens at every Mass, every valid Mass. But sometimes, very rarely during a Mass, the physical properties 
of the bread and wine change along with the substance. And, and this, is, this is what's known as Eucharistic miracles. So in the 8th century, I'm just going to give you one example, just the basic facts of this one Eucharistic miracle. In the 8th century, a priest in Lanciano, Italy, he was experiencing doubts about the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. And in the middle of Mass at consecration, when he said, this is my body, this is my blood, the bread and wine, it transformed into real human flesh and blood. And the word of the miracle spread quickly, and the, and the bishop, the local archbishop, he launched an investigation, and the church approved the miracle. Um, the flesh and the blood, it, it's still preserved to this day. And in 1971, a professor of anatomy, he, he conducted a scientific analysis on, on the remaining flesh and blood, and he concluded that it was cardiac tissue, and he concluded that the blood appeared to be flesh blood, free from preservatives. And you could still visit this miracle, this Eucharistic miracle in the church of San Francesco in Lanciano, Italy. And I've been there myself on a pilgrimage. It's real. It's amazing. So if you're interested in this topic, you just have to do a web search of Eucharistic miracles and you'll see all these um, results from like Catholic news sources that's recorded uh, like in, in greater detail, all these uh, Eucharistic miracles. There are many of them in the past, but also in the modern era. So this is the case to believe in the Eucharist through miracles. But of course, there's so much to know, so much to learn. There's so much out there. The Catechism of the Catholic Church, the official teaching of the Church and the Eucharist is a great resource that we have at our disposal. Um, there's so many books and articles and videos on the Eucharist, so I encourage, I encourage all of us, myself included, to, to go deeper in our knowledge of the Eucharist because if we actively strive to gain more knowledge and understanding about the Eucharist, it'll lead us to a greater love of Jesus. In the Eucharist, Jesus gives himself to us completely so that we can grow stronger and enter the narrow gate. May his body and blood keep us safe for eternal life.